Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Way Through Therapy. I am your host, Steve Bissell. I'm an author and mental health counselor. Are you curious about therapy? Do you feel there is a lot of mystery about therapy? Do you wonder what your therapist is doing and why? The goal of this podcast is to make therapy and psychology accessible to all by using real language and straight-to-the-point discussions. This podcast wants to remind you to take care of your mental health, just like you would your physical health. Therapy should not be intimidating. It should be a great way to better health. I will demystify what happens in counseling, discuss topics related to mental health, and discussions you can have with your therapist. I also want to introduce psychology in everyday life, as I feel most of our lives are enmeshed in psychology. I want to introduce the subtle and not-so-subtle ways psychology plays a factor in our lives. It will be my own mix of thoughts as well as special guests. So join me on this discovery of therapy and psychology. Hi, and welcome to episode four. On episode four, I really want to talk about the most effective type of therapy. And it's not what you think. And I keep on saying that, but I'll, I'll get to my little punch at the end there. Hopefully, some of you have figured it out. But it's hard to quantify what therapy is best. So let me start off by saying that I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, well trained by Assumption College, and I do actually have a degree that says that I am specialized in cognitive behavioral therapy. It also says that I'm specialized in children and family, but I don't work with children or families at this point, which makes it a moot point. But you know, always keep your eyes open for what interests you and how it may change over time. So cognitive behavioral therapy, it's really well known. Aaron T. Beck, uh, the institute that officially recognizes Assumption College as a cognitive behavioral therapy school, is the founder of that. And there's a lot of great people that have done CBT, and there's a lot of different types of CBT treatment. My favorite being David Burns and his 10 cognitive distortions, among other things. But CBT is just about thinking critically about your own thoughts. So basically when you say something, it is a thought and then you go after it, so to speak, by looking at modifications you can do with your thoughts. So I'm simplifying the whole thing, but I hope it makes sense. So when my clients talk about certain things and I start challenging those notions with something that would make sense to them, that's kind of what CBT is all about. The other thing that I'm trained in, and I cannot say that I'm uh, certified because I've never went through the certification process, but I did go through the intensive two-weekend trainings of EMDR. EMDR really works well with the trauma process, and it takes anywhere from six to eight weeks. It's pretty intense, and some people may take 12 weeks, some people may take four weeks. Point being is that it is very effective with trauma processing. I've been doing that for over five years now, and I really enjoy it. Another one that's well known is some anything that's behavioral and behavioral modification. I'm sure that most of you have heard about Pavlov's dog. Well, that's part of it. We obviously don't treat humans as Pavlov's dog, but in some ways, the training that he did with his dog really translated to the behavioral work that we do today. And, you know, the bigger, well known one that is used particularly with children and sometimes with developmental disabilities is ABA or applied behavioral analysis, which I'm sure that some of you are very familiar, have worked with many therapists who do that, find it very helpful for children. There's systematic desensitization, which is a behavioral modification, which is used for phobias and anxiety. And that basically, you go from being exposed slowly to something that you may have a phobia or a fear, and then to a point where by the end, you are able to work with that fear and it 
it's a very interesting process, but I'm not going to bore you too much. But systematic desensitization works really well for that. Psychoanalytic or Freudian, as most people know it. And just for the record, there's so much more than Freud. I mean, I could go on and on about, you know, Jungian being another one, Carl Jung being a very well-known, Karen Horney is another one, but those are the ones that people know. This is more of a couch-based process, not looking at the therapist for, so to speak, and then looking at the fence mechanisms. There's a lot of things that came out of Freud that really were helpful. And people usually think about the sex stuff, but he has done much more than sex stuff. The defense mechanisms to this day are very well used in therapy of all kinds. But usually that's a process that's a lot more analytical to be a Freudian slash psychoanalytic person for the longest time. You had to go through yourself your own psychoanalytic treatment. And usually that looks at three to five days a week, an hour at a time and talking about different things. And it's pretty intense. I think of one of the guys that I've always enjoyed is Howard Stern. Howard Stern is what base, I cannot prove it because I don't know. I'm not there in the room. But a lot of the processes that he describes is very psychoanalytic Freudian. And then, oh, I forgot about this one. I forgot about, there's the behavioral one that most people I've heard talk about is ABCD treatment. So it's the activating event, which is the A, the B for belief, the consequences of that belief, C, disputing that belief and challenging that belief and then the effect of challenging that event. So there's a lot of that behavioral stuff that's to me is a little more CBT, but nonetheless goes under behavioral. There's also dialectical behavioral therapy, which is made famous by Marshall Linehan. It is used for personality disorders, but it can be used by just about everyone. I got to be honest with everyone here. I use a lot of the stuff that I learned through DBT. So it's not just for personality disorders. So if you ever have someone who uses DBT, don't jump to conclusions, which is, you know, a CBT thing. And we can go on and on about all the jokes I can make right now. But DBT is definitely something that is a behavioral and is well-known and is not just for personality disorders. The client-centered stuff that Carl Rogers made very famous and something that we use, again, unconditional positive regard. What basically it is, is the validation of the person and Really, it's not very confrontive. It is ma- It is a lot of repeating what the person says. It's a lot about validating what the person says. And it's not about making any particular interventions, but maybe mimicking what a person said. And sometimes, hopefully, that will cause some questioning in that person. So let's get to the meat of it. People want to know, what is the best therapy? So I forgot probably a hundred of them, but those are the ones that came to mind. The best therapy in the world is the therapeutic relationship or the therapeutic alliance, whatever you want to call it. It's how well you mesh with your therapist and can give you all the definitions from the books, but you know, that's not what this podcast is all about. But basically it's when you have a therapist that you really gel with. They take a collaborative approach. Basically, when I work with someone, it is really about making sure that the person and I are on the same page. So that is why like, I've always taken the approach of really facing what's going on right now in their lives so that we can solve that in order to move to other stuff that may be ca- the root cause of it. So sometimes with my history taking, it's not as important at the beginning as much as looking at what the person is really bothered by right now. So this is part of what I do. But the other part too is... I'm trying to be as real as I can. You know, one of the things that I can be accused of is I use colorful language. And what I mean by that is I swear. 
And part of it is because that's just who I am. And what I mean by that is I'm, you know, people say, well, if you swear a lot, that means you don't have a good vocabulary. Well, okay, whatever. I really don't care. But I think that being, you know, being able to swear is really kind of like a way to be very authentic and people can relate to that. And if you're someone who's offended by that, maybe we're not a good match, which is fine because there are therapists that won't swear and will be absolutely. And I never swear at clients just for the records. I've never sworn at a client that I remember. I have been upset with a client, but that's a different story for a different day. But it really creates a personal bond and a relationship with the person when you kind of like pay attention to what they're saying. One of the things that I've begrudgingly done in the last couple of years is to start writing notes in session, something that I hadn't done in the past because I was able to kind of remember most of what my clients had said. Unfortunately, as we grow older, my memory has not as been as good and definitely not with names. And I never put names in my records, but at the same time, kind of like remembering that sometimes I got to write it down. I want to make sure my client is comfortable. So that's why I kind of become who I am. Sometimes I will say that the you know something is fucked up and that's not to offend anyone, but to kind of like join with them. Some people are taken aback by that, but some people are like, yeah, right. So I think that that happens a lot. And, you know, you got to meet people where they're at. And that's the bottom line for me anyway. And if you also... There's a power differential that's inherent in any relationship between a therapist and a client, which we all know about. And if you don't know about it, we can definitely talk about it in a future episode, maybe maybe sooner rather than later. So I really work on making it the same level, even though there is a power differential because of the job. But I also want to make sure that people know that I'm not no better or no worse than them. I'm a human being just like them, and I'm okay with that. I think that that's not for every therapist, and that's okay. I'm not saying that other therapists are doing it wrong. I'm just telling you how I work. But it's also what you're looking for. The clients that I have are looking for someone like me. They're looking for someone who is going to be kind of at their level, will not feel, you know, I might be a therapist, but I always tell people what I know fits in a thimble. I mean, I'm always learning and I keep on learning and I realize that my knowledge is something that needs to evolve constantly. And the most important part is that you never want to feel judged by your therapist. You know, one of the things that I feel is helpful for most clients is that therapists will be so open that you're able to say things that you've never said to anyone. One of my favorite things is when my clients tell me that I probably know them better than anyone else knows them. And it's a compliment because that means they let me in. They didn't feel judged and they feel like I was able to let them open up. And I think that what happens also when you have a therapist like that, you know, for me anyway, my therapist is the same way. I have a lot of respect. She calls me on my stuff every session or not every session, but most sessions. And I always go back because I feel I'm heard and understood and I'm not going to be fed any BS. And that's not for everyone, obviously, but for me, it is so important to have that. So remember when you go to therapy to make sure it's a good match and you don't feel judged because if the therapist is judging you, the likelihood of you opening up is not going to be there. The feeling that you can't agree on goals, that you may not have that personal bond. You don't have to be friends with your therapist. I am not friends with any of my clients, so to speak, but I'm friendly enough that they feel that bond. And so that's very important. So couple of ideas for you when you first start what type of therapy is the best. And for those of you who want to dispute me, feel free to write to me, social media, my email, it's all available for you to respond to me.
For episode five, I am so happy to have a friend of mine, David Bassano. He's going to be coming in. We're going to talk about substance use. We're going to talk about treatment. We're going to talk about how it works and how to really make it happen and how it relates to mental health. So whenever, if you have a loved one, if you suffer from substance use, remember that possibly there might be some mental health issues that are underlying on that. But I am hoping that you you really enjoyed this episode and I'm looking forward to having feedback on this. I hope you also join us for episode number five with David. Feel free to also follow me or subscribe to the podcast wherever you are subscribed or following depending on which platform you use. Thank you so much and I'll see you soon.